2: The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Now, here's your host for Golf in the Northwest, Jason Swigard.
0: And a fine good morning to you all. Yes, that's what 36 hours in Vegas sounds like. Not as bad as some previous shows I attempted to do while in Vegas.
3: You mean the famous... Uh,
0: infamous, I think, is the word you're looking for. Oh,
3: I think famous <laughs> golf show you attempted after uh, the pilots ah in Vegas, where yep. you were not on air for the first, I believe, 10 to 12 minutes. No, 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 I made it. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. That's what made it infamous. Uh-huh. You weren't there for the first like 10 minutes. And then we got you. Yeah. Uh no, this was all
0: business. <laughs> Pac-12 Media Day came and went very quickly. First time in Vegas. Uh I think it will be there uh permanently. So, hope you everybody enjoyed it. Um it was great. Uh we got to talk to everybody that that we could possibly want to talk to from 8:15 in the morning when Jake Dickert sat down. Was on with uh, Dirt and Sprague, and then uh, George Klyavkov wrapped it up. Uh, the the players and coaches uh, that uh, we couldn't get fit in live, uh, I then recorded interviews with. All of that stuff is podcasted uh, on the uh, on and on Odyssey. So if you missed any of it, want to go, want to make sure you heard what you heard, head on back. Um, but yeah. So it was all business. I landed at 11.45 last night back at PDX. I think my head hit the pillow around 12.45. And here we are. Here we are. On the weekend of the 151st Open Championship. Our good friend Dominic Marconi, uh, executive director for the, uh, or president for the uh, local chapter, Uh, The Oregon chapter of the PGA of America going to join us at 8:30. We'll get his perspective on uh, the Open Championship, link style courses. um, Why we don't see more of them here in the Northwest, quite frankly, uh, with what Bandon has done. Maybe nobody wants to build one or put one together because they can't match Bandon. um, But would love to see. uh, I, I just I love links golf, and right now that weather looks so appealing. I remember the 115-degree the weekend last year that we had. That They've been dealing with that for all summer down there. It was insane. Just insane. It's like 97 degrees when the sun comes up. Ugh. How do you play golf in that? I'm not a fan of that. It's 100 by 10 a.m.
3: I don't understand how some people even do it in Arizona or anything like that. I, like, it, I mean, you know what's going on in Phoenix. They've had yeah like I think thirteen, fourteen possibly could be 15 straight days if temperatures over 100 Las Vegas degrees. is doing the same
0: thing. El Paso Texas has set an all time right it's It's absurd. It's like thirty five straight days of
3: everybody not that you
0: want a reason to go to El Paso anyway, but
3: uh, yeah well. <laughs> you could have a couple of reasons
0: yeah, but you're that's just where you're landing on the airport and then you're going elsewhere but El Paso itself the airport is quite nice. I have been to the El Paso airport. Did you go – did you play in a Sun Bowl when you
3: yeah. – Yeah, I play in the Sun Bowl.
0: Yeah. They say the hospitality is wonderful down there.
3: I I don't know. Nobody told me that. Oh, okay. I'll tell you immediately that we got in. You go to the – so any bowl game you go to, uh, the first thing they do is just funnel you in. You get to the hotel, and then they funnel you into a ballroom, and then they bring in the police. And the police are there to tell you what's up. <laughs> they tell you what's going on with the city. And they tell you what to do and not to do because they know it's a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds being let loose with money because they give you money yes. to like go buy food. And, and there's the very little supervision. And very little supervision because, really, your practices are pretty light because it's a bowl game. It's the end of the year. Right. They don't want you to get hurt. So they bring them in and... um you know, usually the cops are pretty nice. The El Paso ones come in and they introduce themselves and literally they just started off by going, okay, first thing, don't go to Juarez. Yeah. And everybody kind of laughed and uh, like, you know, they smiled a little and they're like, no, really don't go to Juarez. Don't go to Juarez. Yeah. Cause you will we either. We can't help you. Yeah. You will either get caught up in something you don't want to get caught up in or you don't come back.
0: Yep.
4: <laughs>
3: of course, a couple dudes went to Juarez. Of
0: course they did.
3: <laughs> Of They're still alive.
0: They yeah, what it cost him to get back?
3: Probably not much. Oh, I don't know. You got your, you got your license. You got your passport and
0: all that. Okay, you're all right. Did you guys win that sun? Which sun bowl was that? Was that? Oh, you know
3: what sun bowl that is.
0: Was that the wind three nothing game?
3: Hell yes, dude! A defensive masterclass. Ah, people usually call it one of the worst bowl games of the past decade. <laughs> Well, I you, call it a defensive stalwart. Well, the wind was
0: blowing what, 35 miles an hour? Well, wasn't there that, wasn't there a backwards punt in that game?
3: There was a backwards punt. Uh, that was like a
0: legitimate punt. It wasn't blocked or anything. It just
3: quiz the, was hurt and out. Um, James left after the second quarter cuz he got hurt. James Rogers. Yeah. LaShawn McCoy who was playing in that game was playing That's hurt right. for whatever for reason. Pittsburgh and Tyler Palco had finally become bad. Like it took a while. Uh-huh. And then by that last bowl game, he just was bad. Was that Moivau a quarterback? Yeah. And Lyle was there, but Lyle was sort of hurt too. And then we couldn't play Sean because Sean, um, Canfield was like also kind of hurt. Like no. everyone was just hurt <laughs> and Pittsburgh didn't want to be there. And neither did we, no. we almost got to the Rose bowl. And Pittsburgh almost got to the Orange Bowl that season. I think they lost to Louisville or somebody else in the Big East title. But, yeah, it was basically just two teams that, like, didn't want to be there. And, like, there's about four or five bowl games in college football where that is always always the the case. case. But the lower ones, like, people want to be there because you like barely win, like, six, seven, or eight games. Or it's the first bowl game the program's been to in eight yeah. years, and it's and everybody's like we're pumped all fired it. up. and yeah, you Like get... Oregon State, Utah State. That yeah. was a great—even though we lost, it was yeah. a great bowl game because they both were just jacked to be there. Like, yeah. yes! But, like, yeah, that bowl game, everybody was like, I don't want to be here.
0: Yep. Well, it is football season, no question. Um, thanks to everybody with the Pac-12. Uh, smooth. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, it was, uh, it was fun to be there. See everybody, uh, in person, shake a lot of hands. Um, uh, I got the impression UCLA is a little, they're much more sad than USC to be leaving the PAC 12. I don't think they want to go eh. at least from a football I mean standpoint, I, I players, think maybe players I, coaches too. I don't chip oh. uh, chip. I think really enjoys the PAC 12. I don't think he's all fired up about the big 10.
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't know, more money makes everything better. I think once the money starts rolling in and the facilities get better and the things get nicer, they'll probably come around, you know? We'll see. We'll see,
0: Uh, but again, it's all uh, podcasted for you, so sorry to uh, divert things. It is golf here for this hour. Round three of the Open Championship from Royal Liverpool, Hoylake is going on, and after uh, round two, we saw some separation that put Brian Harmon out in a five-shot lead. Uh, Conditions that rained overnight, the wind has died down, so greens are accessible, It was really fast and firm. And so now uh, a little bit more forgiving. They can go at the pins a little more uh, and they can really fire away. You are going to see as many birdies hold out from distance as you have in a long time. Uh, If you get it online, these guys can really take a rap at it because the greens uh, aren't going to be, you know, they're going to be more between nine and 10. Guys are going to be really firing away. We've already seen a 63 this morning from John Rahm, who just barely made the cut. He is now tied for second with Tommy Fleetwood, two behind Brian Harmon, who bogeyed the first hole. So uh, we'll have some more thoughts on that. Uh, As I mentioned, our good friend Dominic Marconi is going to join us at 8.30. little update. Michael Rosenberg has written some tremendous articles for SI Golf following uh, he was at the hearings, the Senate hearings with... Um, Hurley, uh, Ed Hurley, and Jimmy Dunn testifying on behalf of the PGA Tour over how far back the negotiation started with the PIF um, for a potential unification merger between the PGA Tour, the PIF, the DP World Tour, what happens to Live Golf, all of that stuff. Uh, really simplifying and clarifying things. So, we'll update that a little bit. And uh, we'll hear from some of the leaders as well. we got some of their post-round audio for you coming up. Uh, But as always, we begin by going Inside the Ropes.
2: It's time for an insider's look at the leaderboards. The latest on all tours, plus local golf events and golf news. This is Inside the Ropes, part of Golf in the Northwest. So we're following four tournaments on three tours. The PGA
0: Tour with a... Alternate event for those that didn't qualify for the Open Championship. Uh, We'll get to that. We will start, though, on the Corn Ferry Tour. And they are in Springfield, Missouri. Highland Springs Country Club. Par 72, 7,100 yards. Not that long for the young uh, big hitters. Uh, The Price Cutter Charity Championship presented by Dr. Pepper. Uh, And your leaderboard, this is kind of fun. You have brothers Uh, In the top five, Parker Cootie at 15 under and Pearson Cootie at 13 under, who is fourth. Uh, They are the grandsons of former PGA player Charles Cootie. They have been making names for themselves through their collegiate career and now trying to make their way to the PGA tour. Um, So Parker at 15 under par, but they are twin brothers uh, inside the top four. It should be quite a a day. A second round sixty four for the rookie Parker Cootie. Uh, his first lead of any kind on the tour. Eighteen birdies through two rounds. It's it's pretty remarkable what is going on. Just twenty three years old, looking for his first Corn Fairy Tour victory. He's had three top tens this year in his rookie year, and so this will be quite a story. Uh, If one of them pulls it off or basically if they're in the final group together on Sunday. So they'll go off 927 a.m. Pacific here and uh, we will be keeping an eye on that one. The LPGA Tour getting ready. They will go across the pond starting next week for two different majors. The Evian uh, Championships in France and then in a couple of weeks the AIG Women's Open. Um, and they'll play the uh, Scottish Open in between. So little palate cleanser for the ladies. A team event, the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational, Midland, Michigan. Uh, Cheyenne Knight, Elizabeth Zockel are your leaders, 18 under par. That team, uh, Matilda Castron and Kelly Tan are at 15 under. Jody Ewart, Shatoff, and Emma Talley at 13 under par. Uh, Celine Boutier, Yucasasso are tied with Stacey Lewis and Maria Fosso, or Fassi at 12 under par. So uh, more just kind of a loose event. It's fun. This is one where you're going to hear music being played. I think it's a par three finishing hole. So uh, just something fun uh, for the ladies before they take off for Europe. And they will play the next three across the pond. And then the fourth, they'll actually play four across the pond. Uh, they play the ISPS Honda World Invitational after the Women's Open uh, in Northern Ireland. So they'll have four there in uh, Europe. And then it's uh, the, the Women's Open in Bri- uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. And then Labor Day weekend, they're here at Columbia Edgewater, the Portland Classic, Uh, Andrea Lee is the defending champion there. So we're just about a month away from the LPGA Tour rolling through. And with that tournament in British Columbia right before the Portland Classic this year, should be a much deeper and stronger field out there at Columbia Edgewater. Uh, And I think tickets are available now. The alternate event on the PGA Tour this week is the Barracuda Championships. They are at the Tahoe Mountain Club, old Greenwood up there in Lake Tahoe. Uh, Ryan Girard, the rookie, plus 30. They are using the uh, Stableford scoring system. No points for a par. You're accumulating points, two points for a birdie, five points for an eagle, eight points for a double eagle, uh, minus one for bogeys, minus three for anything worse. And so rookie out of North Carolina, Ryan Gerrard is your leader with 30 points. Uh, he had been playing well, got into some of these events, had a nice finish at the John Deere classic. And so he's trying to play his way and get his tour card. If he can pull off the victory, Bo Hostler, plus 22. He is a fourth Patrick Rogers, uh, out of Stanford. He's got 26 points. So a lot of names, uh, Scotty Harrington, our uh, favorite here locally, did not make the cut, just three points. And uh, Scotty, unfortunately, looking like he's going to have to go back to the Corn Ferry Tour if he wants to try to take one more run uh, at the PGA. That leaves the Open Championship, 151st edition. They are at Royal Liverpool. The hometown favorite, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, who grew up just a half hour away in Southport, uh, has been drawing crowds. He is in the final group with Brian Harmon. Uh, The name should be familiar. He has been a regular on the tour since he turned pro in 2009. Two victories uh, in his career, but lately he's kind of dialed it in, got it together. And uh, a bunch of top 10s, top 20s here recently coming in. He had been playing very, very well. Uh, He finished runner-up at the Travelers, and so he is trying to hold on. He had a great round of 65 yesterday. He had a five shot lead coming in, and some were thinking um may with the conditions, it wasn't gonna blow ridiculously here the the rest of the weekend. Um, but the quest now is after John Rahm posted a sixty-three this morning, can Brian Harmon put together uh another round like he did? Birdied four out of the first five holes. Uh, In round two, made some great saves, grinding out pars as the wind picked up yesterday, finishing his round. But conditions uh, a little bit easier. Wind will pick up a little bit as the afternoon goes on, but not uh, that gale-like force. And we're already seeing some low rounds. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick out there with a 65. So as some of these big names right behind him are trying to go low this morning, Actually, it's Alex Fitzpatrick. It's uh, Matthew's brother. He had a, a 6 under 65 to get to 4 under par. Rory McElroy is 3 under through 9. Coverage this morning on KGW 8. It'll go till the round ends today. Jason Day, Sep Straka all at 4 under. John Rahm an 8 under 63 this morning at 6 under. Tommy Fleetwood with a birdie. Brian Harmon with a bogey. So it's already just a three shot lead for Brian Harmon, who is. Uh, trying to finally get through and win a major. We will hear from him coming up. We'll hear from Tommy Fleetwood. We'll also hear from Rory talking about Justin Thomas, who unbelievably has just lost his touch. Um, people aren't sure what is going on with him. He had an 82 in round one, 11 over par. He came back with a, a round of par 71, and but uh, Justin Thomas all of a sudden, uh, has just uh, sort of lost it in in the most mysterious way. He's not the first one to have this happen to, where all of a sudden he can't put it in the fairway. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, he might be, you know, he's not going to lose his card, but he might be out of the FedEx Cup playoffs um, and in jeopardy of maybe not being a captain selection for the Ryder Cup with just a few more events Uh, to take place, a win. If Brian Harmon can win, he uh, would make his first Ryder Cup team. So that's what's going on. Coverage all morning long today and tomorrow on KGW. Uh, USA will start early, 1 a.m. coverage uh, if you're up late uh, for whatever reason. And uh, and then you can have feature group coverages Streaming online Just go to The Open's website Theopen.com So that's what's uh, going on right there Let's dig in a little bit more About the leaders Brian Harmon and Tommy Fleetwood When we come back Just getting going here It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan Okay, picture this It's
1: Friday afternoon When a thought hits you I can spend another weekend Doing the same old whatever Or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe And hit the road
2: This is Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan.
0: 820 here this morning as uh, everyone enjoying coverage of the Open Championship. NBC Sports has it for you this weekend. Can Brian Harmon hold on, win his first major, put himself in position to make his first Ryder Cup team? Uh, that's what everybody's watching, but it is a uh, it is a leaderboard right now packed with uh, familiar names, high profile names: John Rom, Tommy Fleetwood, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, all uh, in the top five, within five shots of the lead. Victor Hovland now at three under par, so the score is going low today. So now it's on Brian Harmon. Uh, conditions a little bit more benign than in round two. Can he match because everybody is coming for him on a moving day. It might be a little tougher, a little tougher go of things on Sunday. Wind should kick in a little bit, um, but should be a lot of fun today. Let's hear from some of the leaders. Uh, Brian Harmon is a name, people that have followed the PGA tour for a while. He turned pro in 2009. He's got a couple of wins. He's the little lefty out there. He's just five, seven, a buck 50 left-handed, but a project, a product of that tremendous Georgia Bulldog collegiate golf program over the years. Uh, he's hung around. He's been close to winning a, a major on a couple of different occasions. Uh, but he was, uh, he was asked, um, you know, just if he's how he's kept the belief in himself that he can win a major over all these years,
5: I'm not sure. I, I think about it a lot. Obviously, I, I, I'm around the lead a bunch. Um, and it just—it's uh, been hard to stay patient. You know, I, I felt that I felt that after I, I won the, the tournament and had the really good chance at the U.S. Open in 2017 that I would probably pop a few more off, and it just hasn't happened. I've been right there, and it just hasn't happened. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know why it hasn't happened, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stick with it and just keep after it. And hopefully it'll pop one day. And
0: and that's the kind of the mentality you have to have. He's, um, you know, he's got to do it with tremendous skill. He can't bomb it the way Rom and McElroy and Fleetwood can down there. Uh, but. Can he use all of his skills around the green as he's staring at a little uh, uphill bump and run here on four, trying to get up and down? Uh, he was also asked about the prospect, if he can pull this off, and he's been riding a hot streak here of late, maybe get a victory, putting himself in position to make his first Ryder Cup team.
5: I've spent I don't know how many years you know, chasing a – You know, it always seems it's right there at the end. I'm end up at you know in between 13th and 18th on the list, and I'm hoping for a pick. So uh, it it would it would mean the world to me to play on the Ryder Cup team. I think I would you know I think I would do very well, but I'm not I'm not thinking about that at all.
0: No, obviously a chance to win your first uh, major, an Open Championship. If he does so, that would probably take care of things because the the majors are so heavily weighted in the points system that they use to select the Ryder Cup team. He would probably put himself in position to do so the way that Wyndham Clark did after winning uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, but uh, an extremely likable guy. <laughs> um, he's an interesting guy. He's a uh, his whole family uh, is certified scuba divers and a spearfish. He just he bow hunts spearfishes. He's just, yeah, he's as happy as a clam out in a blind or out in the, out in the uh, open waters there off uh, the Atlantic coast of Georgia. So, and he'll just, you gotta be nothing but patient if you're bow hunting, that's for sure. So his patience, we'll see if it pays off here, but the guy that's right behind him on his heels is the hometown favorite Uh, Tommy Fleetwood talked about the difference, even though he had a 66 in round one, a one under, or a round even par 71, uh, the conditions uh, much more difficult in round two. He talked about the difference between round two and one.
5: I felt like I played really well, especially early on today. I felt like I was into the round quicker than yesterday. Puts didn't drop um, for the first nine holes, hold that long one and ten, and then in the end I had to grind it out. So it was um, a different day for sure, but it was was tough out there. The wind was blowing. The wind was definitely stronger today. The course is firming up um, in places. So, overall, um, of course, I would always like, everybody would always like one or two more out of the round, but um, I think level was a good round today.
0: So, you talk about a guy that everybody uh, has expected to eventually win a major. It's Tommy Fleetwood, Um, especially an open championship. He's already been on a number of Ryder Cup teams for Europe, Uh, extremely likable guy great great flow he's got working out the back of his golf hat um and he will have he grew up a half hour away southport england and so knows this course he's got family and friends he is uh as big a favorite uh, amongst the galleries as you are going to find another bogey for brian Harmon, so his lead has shrunk to two and if Tommy Fleetwood is there at the uh, end of the day today atop the leaderboard, he is going to be an overwhelming favorite in terms of popularity, as well as where his game's at, uh, to go out and possibly win his first major. Uh, he talked about the support he's been receiving from all of his hometown uh, fans.
5: They've been insanely amazing. They really, really have. Um Loved every minute of playing in front of them, and I can't um, thank everybody enough. Can't have asked for any more of anybody with the support that they're giving me out here, and everybody's talking about it. So, uh, yeah, the Northwest is definitely making a name for itself with the, with the, you know how they are, and um, it has been great. And I'm just excited to play in front of them again. I really am.
0: And that helps too, with you know things aren't so bad. <laughs> uh, he misses a shot. There's plenty of encouragement there. You're gonna make bogeys at an Open Championship. So now if he gets on a roll, though, uh, playing with Brian Harmon in that final group, uh, we could see a a change atop the leaderboard. um, And certainly uh, is familiar with the conditions and what to expect and has the game to know how to flight things if the wind picks up on the weekend. Birdies are going in all over the place, but your leader Brian Harmon hasn't made any yet. Uh, At the other end of the spectrum, uh, everybody's eyes popped it has not been a great year for Justin Thomas on the tour he has had a difficult time scoring uh and it culminated with an eighty two in round one and uh Rory McElroy was asked about his struggles and if there was anything uh he could uh provide to his friend justin thomas
4: uh, j t'll be just okay i you
5: know j t is one of the most talented guys out here and um He shot 69 at TPC a couple of years ago in like 40 mile an hour winds. And I always sort of, I always remind him of it, but I always go back to that. And if JT can, you know, put that sort of display on um, in those conditions, uh, you know, yeah, we all go through bad patches. I mean, that's, that's golf. There's not one player in the world that hasn't, Um, but, you know, he's got the right people around him. And, uh, you know, he's got the the right work ethic to get himself out of it.
0: He certainly has the right work ethic, um, but he might be a guy – he can get so wrapped up in it sometimes. Uh, he's pretty intense. He's a competitor, and it's driving him nuts. Of course, his dad uh, is his uh, has been his only swing coach. So uh, you wonder if it's more – if it's technical. If it's technical, I know they will figure it out. Uh, mentally is where uh, you just wonder. He's so capable – he can hit all the shots, and sometimes that gets in the way. Where you're trying to be too creative, you're overthinking things, and uh, end up leaving yourself in in worse spots. Rather than just saying, you know, kind of like a, a Colin Morikawa thing sometimes, where it's like, okay, I just I, I cut it. Um, that's what I do. I want just a baby fade, and no matter dog leg, right, left, whatever the. I just gotta I hit this shot so if I get it set up and I'm aimed correctly and I get it to do this I can put the ball where I want to put it um, and maybe simplifying things for JT will be the best route to go so those are uh, some of the thoughts of of the leaders uh, at the open championship again coverage continues on NBC all throughout the morning. It's down to a two shot lead for Brian Harmon. He's at eight under John Rahm in the clubhouse at six under Tommy Fleetwood on the course at six under Jason day with a birdie. He is now at five under as well. Going to be a lot of fun the rest of the weekend. When we come back, we're going to talk to our good friend, Dominic Marconi uh, who is in charge of the Oregon chapter of the PGA of America. We'll get his thoughts Uh, links golf a little bit. Um, How much fun it is. We know about everything going on down at Bandon. They've got uh, more courses on the way, but uh, will we see more courses like that uh, coming? What is the state of of courses? Uh, Where can you get to and play Lynx-style courses here in the Northwest? Get that feeling. Um, It's a lot of fun. Tethro had that Lynx field. They call it a Heathland course because it's not up the coast. Um, but certainly a lot of fun, a lot more imagination that goes into the ability to play different shots different ways, uh, play different holes different ways. Uh, It's just really exciting. I find it no matter what your handicap is. So we'll get his thoughts there and see what else is going on as the season is getting close uh, to moving into fall, uh, just another month of summer, Uh, things going on with the PGA. We make the turn here. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan.
6: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: This is Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan.
0: 8.33 this morning. Programming note. Uh, because of the suspended Mets Red Sox game last night, today's game that had been scheduled to uh, have pregame on the Fan at twelve thirty has been moved back. So it'll be a three thirty p pregame, and first pitch just after four o'clock. So if you're looking for that, you got a little bit more time to get your chores done. Mets Red Sox at three thirty this afternoon here on the Fan, and then the Sunday night game three o'clock tomorrow. That's what's going on here. Uh, but so pleased to have returning to our show, Dominic Marconi, he's president of the local chapter here of the PGA of America. And uh, it's just, it's an interesting time. It's it's kind of that week. It's been the time everybody's getting in that vacation. We're in between seasons and everybody's just kind of checked out for a little while Um, but golfing wise, uh, this is, this is really picked up. And I imagine considering what we've been through for the last several years from COVID to extreme heat, uh, of last summer to wet, soggy rain a couple of years ago, uh, this summer has got to be one of the best as far as playability, uh, rounds being played out there from, from the professional side. How has it gone from your perspective of just, uh, the health of the industry overall this summer?
4: Yeah. Good morning. And, uh, yeah, I would say as a whole participation in all of our events so far this year has been, uh, really strong. We're pleased with, um, the participation of our professionals in pro-ams across the state and in our major events in the section, they've all been full as well. So from that standpoint, participation has been strong. Um, we have a lot of amateur amateurs playing in our events as well. So super pleased with where we're at and, uh, You know, while we know we've got some room to grow in certain areas, uh, totally happy with uh, things right now.
0: And then uh, for those, you know, amateurs that maybe aren't as familiar with uh, the opportunities to play in some of these competitions, especially uh, if you've been playing well, you've been getting out, you want to test and see what's going on. um, There's a calendar up. It's uh, ORPGA.com. What's the best way for them to make themselves available uh, to to have an opportunity to play in some competitions.
4: Yeah, over the years, we've started to really promote um, to the amateurs out there that if you are a member at a, at a public facility or a private course and you're interested in playing in one of our events, I've got my phone number and email listed on our schedule. So all you need to do is just let me know. I'm interested in playing at, um, you know, this next week, I'm going to Bend and Quail Run Monday, Tuesday, And I've already had two individuals reach out to me saying they're interested in playing. And I've been able to pair them on uh, teams that were short players. And then, again, if I get a full team together, then I'll just find a professional in that local area where we're going, and we'll put a team together that way. So that's been great. Um, But certainly reach out to me anytime you're interested in playing in any one of our events. I'm happy to do my best to put you on a team or create a new one.
0: Well, Dominic, we're watching the Open Championship uh, again. Link style course. Um, it's just uh, such a fascinating, fascinating venue, a fascinating uh, style of golf and golf course. We have one of the most uh, amazing golf venues in the world in Bandon. That's a, a drive, a lengthy drive away. But I'm wondering, uh, elsewhere in in the section, uh, where are some other great? link style courses, uh, Tethro. Thanks again for uh, connecting me with, uh, with Hunter and Jen. They were fantastic hosts, uh, out there at Tethro. And if you have the opportunity to go play it, it's a Heath, they call it a Heathland style. And that's basically means it's inland and not on the coast, but essentially looks like a link style course, um, with a few more cacti and sagebrush than you'll find at the coast. But so much fun, no matter what your handicap is. What are some of the 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 great places, maybe the the unknown gems in in the region to to go and uh, have a loop?
4: Well, certainly one that just comes to mind was the Tetra, the one that you played. But the one that comes to mind that a lot of people are talking about is Gamble Sands up in, uh, I guess it would be northern central Washington. Yep, uh, in Brewster, and I've only seen photos. I've never been there but i hear that's fantastic and it's got the cambridge fairways so you know it is easily easy to hit fairways out there but you know as a whole there's not that many that are those link style golf courses here uh i remember before bandon dunes was built everybody wanted to go to play sand pines because that was about the closest thing you could get to one here locally and now with some of the new designs, you know we've got other places to go here in the Northwest.
0: Yeah, uh, same course designer too for Gamble Sands that designed uh, Tethro as well. And so yeah. uh, if you play Tethro, you you kind of make know what to expect. Uh, if you go up to Brewster, as far as uh, golf course construction, I know maybe this is more under the OGA, but you, you certainly uh, will need to staff it with pros. What is what's the state of potential? new courses or reconstruction courses around the area? Are you hearing about the demand? Obviously, participation is way up. Um, it, it, you've noticed if you're just trying to get a random tea time for a weekend and you haven't got it before you know, Friday, you might be in a little trouble. Is there any demand for new courses uh, in the area? And if so, where, you know, obviously the cost of land has gone skyrocketing. So is, is that on the radar at all?
4: Yeah, I, there's nothing on the radar here locally in the Portland metro area, or up and down the corridor. Uh, but I did hear of some new possible development. Well, I shouldn't say possible. Some new development going in in central Oregon near Eagle Crest Resort. So, still, it's you know, there's not much to it right now, other than the fact that there is um, material or some. Some cats over there moving some dirt right now, and they're probably a ways out, but uh, that is uh, happening in Central Oregon right now.
0: What are some of the things uh, as you deal with the with the Oregon chapter as well as the Northwest section? Um, what's on the agenda in terms of we know uh, Operation 36 has uh, gotten a, a lot of play, and we're seeing more and more of of that program offered at courses around the area trying to bring a newer golfers in younger golfers first time golfers uh to make the game uh to understand from a scoring standpoint you want to be able to score um you know we can get uh, philosophical about you know the whole nature of golf but it's more fun when you're able to make pars and birdies than when you're making double bogeys all the time. And, and that's what's going to help keep some people involved in the game and wanting to play it. What are some of the other initiatives uh, that, the, that the PGA is working on here for the rest of this year and, and looking at to implement in
4: 2024? Yeah, so you know the PGA Junior League has been by far one of the most successful programs that, that we now um, run across the country. Um, I will share with you that the Northwest section, which is Western Montana, Northern Idaho, Washington, and Oregon, we are very near the top of the leaderboard as far as overall players that are in in PGA Junior League. So that is something that we are very proud of. And when you talk about uh, Operation 36, a lot of the professionals that are coaching these teams practice that same mentality because of, the golf courses are set up shorter um, in PGA junior league and it's, it's scramble format and it's a super fun way for the young kids to get involved. Um, So that is something that, you know, it doesn't matter what part of the country and all professionals are going to say, that's one of the most, um, you know, exciting programs that we've been a part of. But as, as we start shifting our gears, you know, now, as we, you know, look forward to, I would say the fall, you know, we change our gears and we really try to create something for our golf professionals in the Northwest section um, as far as a mentoring uh, component. And this year we are excited to release, uh, we just announced it uh, the other day, but we are bringing back our mentoring conference um, that one of our um, longtime golf professionals who passed away a few years ago was so passionate about. And uh, there's been a number of us on this local committee that's, hard to get this off the ground but we are bringing it back november 1st and 2nd uh our pga or pacific northwest pga mentoring conference it'll be at royal oaks country club and we're bringing in some of our section talent um, as far as golf operations and instruction Um, we're looking at bringing in a national instructor from taylormade to help us be a part of this we're bringing in a couple national board members as well as a couple national employees Um, And so this is something that from our professional standpoint, you know, we're hoping they bring their assistant golf professionals, their associates uh, to this event so that they can really kind of understand, you know, how some of these individuals operate and to be successful and to meet new professionals across the section. So something that we're, we're extremely excited about and happy to do.
0: And then obviously Uh, Translating that goes back then to their facilities to uh, enhance, uh, you know, the opportunities for their their members or their players instruction uh, for those taking lessons in junior programs. What's the demand for uh, more professionals as as the economy starts to, you know level out a little bit. I don't know if it's truly picking up. But there are signs that uh, things are getting better. We know participation is up, um, which is always good for, you know, number of rounds being played, memberships uh, being sought. Uh, is there a, a demand for new young professionals to come in, and, and where are there opportunities uh, for uh, people that love the game growing up maybe to to get into those apprenticeships and, and development becoming a golf professional
4: yeah this year has been certainly a year of challenge uh you know we look at the end of last year into the beginning of this year you know facilities that were looking to hire assistant golf professionals there's there definitely was a shortfall of new associates coming into our business but uh just a month ago we had a meeting and ran a report on the the new associates joining our business and there was definitely an uptick of about two percent in our northwest section uh our oregon chapter you know typically has about 405 members this year currently we're at 425 so we're definitely seeing that uptick and it is in that new associate arena so um while we had challenges coming out of covid into the last couple of years, we're starting to see new ones coming in and being placed in new locations. Um, The positions that they're being hired in are, are different because of certainly new classifications, off course um, stores and things like that, that offer instructional uh, only indoor facilities, things like that. Uh, But we're, we're pleased to say that more associates are getting into our business and the other thing that I'm seeing is a slight uptick in our female associates who are coming into the business. So that's super exciting. Um, yeah, and as, as I said before, you know, as we head into the fall, uh, we, in the northwest section, we run a couple of good destination pro and we're always looking for amateurs to participate in this. Um, October 30th through November 4th, we've got our Mexican Fiesta pro down at TPC Desanté Bay. Um, and then, again, in November 30th through December 4th, uh, we take it to Arizona at WECOPA. So we're there for about four or five days enjoying some fun in the sun. There you go. And, again, you
0: can go. The Pro-Am schedule is up, ORPGA.com. You can see uh, the Pro-Am schedule. And uh, if you are interested in trying to uh, get involved in any of those Uh, the information, all the contact information, uh, for the, the PGA chapter, as well as Dominic is there on the website. Always good to catch up with you, my friend, uh, football season officially here. So, uh, we only have a few more shows left before we turn it over to football this season. Uh, but, uh, but there's plenty, plenty of golf left to be played. I maintain September and October is probably the best time to play golf in the Northwest. I agree.
4: <laughs> you sound pretty good this morning, coming from Vegas. So, yeah, it was all business. I appreciate you having me on. I
0: did not lay a wager in thirty six hours, uh, but uh, yeah, all those football coaches and players can uh, can uh, take it out of you, <laughs> no question. So glad uh, yeah. glad to have you on this morning. We look forward to uh, catching up with you uh, down the road, my friend. You got it. Thank you. Thanks, Dominic. Dominic Marconi, president of the uh, Oregon chapter of the PGA of America. And, yeah, they love to to have, uh, have participation in their events, uh, playing some of the best uh, courses all throughout Oregon and southwest Washington, uh, events coming up uh, this week, uh, Bend Golf Club, Quail Run, Uh, They'll be at Corvallis Country Club in August, uh, Running Y Resort in August, uh, which if you haven't been to Klamath Falls, it's fantastic. Uh, So uh, reach out to him uh, if you want a little competition. We'll come back and update. uh, Michael Rosenberg wrote some fantastic uh, pieces on just trying to simplify taking the politics out of this potential PIF, PGA Tour, DP World Tour unification, what's actually going on. Uh, and how likely it is this thing's going to get done uh, if they can uh, get approval from uh, the U.S. government that doesn't violate any antitrust sort of situation. We'll update you on that. Final look at the leaderboard uh, here in the middle of round three in the Open Championship as we wrap it up. Golf in the Northwest
2: on Tenacity the Fan. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Which new driver is best for your game? Who makes the best golf gear? Where should you take your next golf vacation? Which local course should you get to know better? This is the Business of Golf, every week on Golf in the Northwest on 1080,
0: The Fan. 849 here, Golf in the Northwest, Center and Saint to follow us, and we'll see um, what they've got cooking. Uh, they've got any thoughts on what uh, they heard from Pac-12 Football Media Day. Sounds like a media rights deal is extremely close to being done. That was the sense I got uh, from being down there. And the Pac-12 is, quite frankly, loaded uh, this year. As, as good a conference top to bottom, uh, you've got five, maybe six teams that all have a shot to be playing in the Pac-12 championship uh, in Vegas December 1st. And so, should be a lot of fun. Uh, it was a great time down there. So uh, they may recap a, a few of the interviews uh, that you heard, uh, picking out uh, what caught their ear. So that's coming up next. And again, uh, change to the schedule. Uh, the Red Sox and Mets couldn't finish their game yesterday, so that's going to be completed, and that will bump the start time of today's game back to four o'clock. We'll have pregame coverage Mets and Red Sox at 3 30 this afternoon uh we mentioned uh it's been a week and a half ago that jimmy dunn ron price uh went and testified before the subcommittee on homeland security and government affairs regarding the proposed uh deal between the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia and the PGA tour and what that means for live golf and the DP world tour. Um, and if you, you know, kind of put the politics aside, they were trying to, the, the main thing is trying to get around the antitrust issues. If golf is consolidated into one entity, is there any competition for Players is their competition amongst potential sponsors to bring in different events, those sorts of things. Sounds like there will be a live tour next year, uh, as well as the PGA tour. So things will move on at least for another year because there's no actual uh, proposed agreement in place. Uh, the two sides have to continue to hammer those things out. The biggest sticking point uh, was that uh, the the Senate the subcommittee told. Uh, the PGA tour was there can't be a there was a clause in there that essentially um, got rid of players going back and forth between tours, um, that sort of thing. So there has to be that that was considered anti-antitrust. Um, if that went away, so what it means is players can go back and forth. Uh, There has to be some sort of mechanism to do so. That would lead me more to believe that Live Golf will end if this deal gets done in its current state. There might be some now PGA Tour-sponsored, put-together team sort of thing, a team series that they come up with uh, down the road using the Live format uh, and some of their venues around the world. And I think It's eventually going to get there. Uh, The one thing that everybody agrees is there's no way that the PGA Tour Advisory Board, which is made up of five players, is ever going to agree to anything with Greg Norman in charge in any capacity whatsoever. It sounds like he's done being in charge of anything uh, on a worldwide level for golf. Um, So that will have to occur. Uh, And then it's just going to be. Um, sort of the devil in the details when they put it all together. I think the PGA Tour players end up with a tremendous amount of control in deciding how things look going forward. Uh, it does consolidate power into the PGA Tour commissioner's hands over deciding uh, how the top-level professional golf is going to be, um, tournaments are going to be conducted, Um, going forward, and so if the players have lost faith in Jay Monahan or feel like they were sold out or sold a bill of goods, uh, he may have to be voted out uh, and somebody else put in before this whole deal gets done. Uh, That's really what I take away as the biggest sticking points, is whereas the money is coming from, if the PIF wants to pump money in my guess is that's not going to be an issue as long as they don't have any operational controlling interest of what this new entity is. That's going to be the gray area that the government, they don't want the Saudi government controlling the operations of the PGA Tour. So if that could, if they just want to pump money in. Yeah, everybody might have to hold their nose a little bit, but they're pumping money into stuff all over the world, other sports, other events. Uh, They used to host, uh, they have hosted uh, world tour golf events, European tour golf events. They have hosted LPGA golf tournaments uh, in Saudi Arabia. So this isn't anything new. Uh, So people that are being shocked, you know, it's been going on for a while. Uh, It just hasn't been brought to the forefront and they haven't been looking like they're going to be involved in American golf uh, to this effect uh, as they, as it appears they want to be now. So that's really the question. I think the players have a ton of leverage in deciding how this goes forward. The biggest thing for the players is going to have to be, is it all about the money for them? is it all about having bigger bigger purses um if that's the case then this will get done because there's no there, there's no amount of sponsor corporate sponsors that are going to continue to put up the money nobody can match the money they can pump into it uh and so if they want to play for these uh elevated tournaments and and 25 million dollar purses at all their their events where else are they going to get the money from that's where it is. So it's going to come down to who's controlling how golf is being administered, how the tournaments are being set up the criteria to qualify. Uh, is it still going to be 72 holes? There's going to be cuts, those sorts of things. Is there other things the PGA tour can do maybe as far as, uh, supporting tour rookies on with, with the costs, um, Are tournaments going to – there's some tournaments that are – they know where they fall on the schedule, and so they do everything they can to help accommodate the players and make it convenient if they want to bring their families, putting them up, all of the little creature comforts. That'll be where the money comes in from sponsors uh, to make it uh, as as family-friendly, as player-friendly as possible with what they're doing there. So uh, it's a long, long way to go. It is not close to being done. Uh, That's the thing. They've really got to flesh out a lot of stuff. Jay Monahan is still recuperating. He wasn't at the Open Championship, even though he's uh, back sort of in charge of PGA Golf at this point. So there's an update. If you want to read the articles, si.com slash golf. Michael Rosenberg with it. We'll reach out and see if we can maybe get him on sometime before we wrap up our run here on Golf in the Northwest this season. Just four more shows, I believe. Uh, And then we are done. Seahawks preseason uh, will take over August 25th, and then it's Ducks football uh, for the fall. That'll do it for us. Thanks once again to Dominic Marconi for hopping on with us. As always, thanks to Will Darkins uh, over there behind the glass. He'll be on with Luke Anderson for Center and St. Next. Major League Baseball at 3.30 this afternoon. We will talk to you next Saturday at 8 a.m. Until then, I'm Jason. Hit them straight. squishy. Everything's starting to just come left. Fine. Pulled up the sack out on the sidewalk at the street and right. just see if you can aim it in there from the bogey, porch. bogey, bogey, bogey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you
4: know how easy I am. Yeah, I know. Features
1: <laughs> in Europe. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive.